0: Welcome again to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont campus in Belmont, Massachusetts. If we don't know each other, my name is Brian, and I pastor Mount Hope's Belmont location. It's good to talk to you today. Many of us feel like we need to fight against injustices in this world. Where they exist, we want to do something to make them right. The question that we're faced with is how do we do that, especially if we're people that call ourselves followers God, what does it look like for us to fight against injustice? There's a man in the Old Testament, a prophet named Amos, who has a lot to say about this idea. I hope you enjoy this, and I hope you'll listen closely, because I believe that God has something he would like to say to
1: you. Well, good morning again. I just also want to wish everyone a very happy Thanksgiving. It was a great week this week. I hope for many of us to sit back and to Thank God for what he's blessed us with. It's so important for us to stay, take that time to step, step aside and just be thankful, and more importantly, to realize who, to whom we are thankful to, and so I hope all of us were able to get a chance to do that. Here's my favorite irony about Thanksgiving. We spend an entire day out of the year to give thanks for all that we have, and then a few hours later trample people for sales and 30% discounts on all that we don't yet have. That wonderful irony, if you want to call it wonderful, is one of the reasons or one of the topics that we're going to cover today in our short sermon this morning. The irony of it all, that we would give thanks in one minute for all that we have, and in the very couple next hours, we would go and do whatever it takes to save a little money on what we don't yet have. Something doesn't match up about that equation. Something doesn't seem to fit that we would do one thing one day and do a completely opposite thing the next day. But when we go into scripture this morning, we're going to find out that's specifically what God is trying to address in all of our lives in a situation very similar from the Old Testament. If you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, we've been in a sermon series that we call Overwhelmed. It's this idea of how do we, living lives that are overwhelmed with the stress and the worries and the constant anxieties and troubles of this world, still manage to learn what God is teaching us through some of the books that were written hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And today is no different as we look into a book called Amos and and the words of a prophet named Amos. Now let me set the stage a little bit and give you a little context on what is happening before we go into the specific verses If you remember, the kingdom of Israel was divided into two separate kingdoms. There was a northern kingdom known as Israel and a southern kingdom known as Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel, this is about 800 years before Jesus was born. This 800 years earlier, we see this northern kingdom of Israel was ruled by a king named Jeroboam II. Now, you don't need to remember all the names, but it's important to understand what was happening. Jeroboam II was one of the most ruthless leaders of the time. He was able to expand the territory of the kingdom of Israel. He was able to accumulate massive amounts of wealth for the nation. He was, in many people's eyes, a successful king in Israel. But the Bible records something a little bit different about Jeroboam II. It says, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and he allowed for idol worship within the land And most importantly, he allowed the people to treat other people very poorly. And that's something we're going to look at today. The people of Israel were living in a time of wealth and accumulation. And at that same time, they were treating those who did not have very poorly. They were oppressing them. The Bible tells us that the rich, the wealthy in that land, were taking advantage of the poor of that land. They were levying heavy taxes upon them for everything. And when they could not pay the taxes, they were quickly turned into slaves and your own neighbor became your slave over time. And then when that neighbor tried to go and fight for his or her rights in a court of law, what immediately would happen is all representation would be removed from that neighbor. They could never fight for themselves in court and they would remain your slave over a long period of time. It was terribly unjust. It was a time when injustice was rampant throughout the land. And it's in this time that God calls a lowly shepherd from the southern kingdom to travel up north and go and tell the people of God that I am not happy with what you're doing. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to look in the book of Amos chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's perfectly fine. The verses will be on the screen directly behind me. We're going to read from Amos chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, and then verses 21 through 24. Amos chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, and then verses 21 through 24. We read there like this. Here is God speaking to the people of Israel. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and you exact taxes of grain from him, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine, for I know how many are your transgressions and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe and turn aside the needy in the gate. As in verses 21 through 24, I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Let justice roll down like waters And righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. If you remember Dr. Martin Luther King's famous speech in the March on Washington, that line was a very famous line from his speech. It's actually a line from the book of Amos, a line about injustice. This is a really loaded term in our society today, justice. What does it mean? If you look at the way we talk about justice in our world today, it's almost always positioned like this. Justice is something someone else needs to do for someone else. It's something that someone else is not currently doing, and so we get mad at those others who are not currently doing it for those other people that deserve the justice. It's a political argument in many cases in our country. It's an argument that that other political party is not carrying out justice, but we definitely are. It's an argument against someone else. But when God sends Amos into Israel, here was the message from Amos. Justice is my responsibility and it's your responsibility. But here's the catch. Here's the question that the people of Israel were not asking themselves, but probably should have been asking. It's a question that you and I should be asking to ourselves today. Why does God expect us to pour out justice and righteousness on other people when I'm overwhelmed with the things that I need to take care of myself? When I have enough to worry about my own life, why do I need to worry about pouring out justice and righteousness on other people? Why do I need to care about their needs and their worries when I have enough needs and worries of my own? It's important for us to understand what the word justice actually means if we're going to carry this out in life every day. You see, God was pretty upset with the people of Israel. They were showing up to worship him. They were bringing offerings to the temple and they were worshiping God in name. But their hearts were so far from him because they were not loving their neighbor. They were not taking care of those around them. They were treating them cruelly, harshly, and unjustly. And because of that, there was a disconnect between what they professed and what they did. Just like when we profess to give thanks on a Thursday and trample people for sales on a Friday. There was a disconnect between what they said and what they did. Here's what justice looks like. Pastor Tim Keller down in New York, a very famous writer and and pastor and author, he writes like this, justice is giving humans their due as people of God. He says that all humans have worth, all humans have significance, if for no other reason than because God loves them. They are naturally significant because God loves them. And for that reason, we give them what they deserve, we give them what they're due, and that is justice. There's a famous organization you may have heard of called the International Justice Mission, which goes around the world. It's a Christian organization that goes around saving uh, victims of human trafficking and sex slavery, and they are a wonderful Christian organization, and they define justice this way, and they actually look at it that in order to know what justice is, you have to know what injustice is, and this is what they say, injustice is what happens when someone uses their power to take from someone else the good things God in Intended them to have their life, their liberty, their dignity, or the fruits of their labor and love. All of these show us what justice and injustice are. And Amos walks into Israel that day and he screams and shouts at the top of his lungs You bring your worship into the church, into the temple but you do not bring your worship outside. You do not show the God that you actually serve because Amos is telling the people, what comes out of you is a deep reflection of what's actually inside, of what's really inside of you. What comes out is a reflection of what's inside. It's important to understand what the people of Israel were doing at the time. They were not only accumulating a lot of wealth They were actually showing up to worship the God of Israel at the time. But they were also showing up to worship some other gods at the same time too. The Bible tells us that they were worshiping some of the neighboring gods of the land of Canaan. Those gods had names like Asherah. Anat and Baal, these were the gods of fertility, the gods of weather, the gods of war. They were showing up to worship them because this is how they looked at it. If we can go to the god of weather and get rain for our crops, we will have more food for ourselves. If we go to the God of fertility and pray to her so that we will have more children, we will have larger families and become a bigger tribe. If we go to the God of war and we pray to him, we will have victory in battle and we can expand our territories for ourselves. They were so focused on themselves that they were worshiping whatever would help themselves. But you see, the God of Israel was very different from those other gods. Those gods were able to so-called give you something, but the God of Israel, Israel was focused on you giving something to someone else. The God of Israel is a just and righteous God. He was a God who cared about the poor, who loved those who did not have anything because they were significant in his eyes. There's a verse like this in Amos chapter 5, the very same chapter that we read today. Amos chapter 5 verse 4 says, seek me that you may live. And then just 10 verses later, it says, seek good that you may live. What is God saying here to the people? Seek me that you may live and seek good that you may live. What is he actually saying is that me, God, is good and that is who you need to seek in order to live. It was important that you sought God but that you also sought after the good of your neighbor and your friend and your stranger in your community and the stranger halfway around the world that you cared about their needs in order to please God. If you look in the society and the world around us today, there is so much imitating what's around us and we don't realize that what comes out is really a reflection of what's inside. We emulate the one that we really follow. A couple of minutes ago when when Bill was getting baptized and everyone was clapping, I saw my older son Ethan sitting up here at the time and while we were clapping, Ethan would keep turning around to see how I was clapping so that he could clap the exact same way. He kept looking at his hands and looking at my hands to see if we could clap the same way. You've heard phrases, a chip off the old block, or two sides of the same coin, or like father, like son. These statements all reflect what we hear today, that if you follow someone, you will start to look like that someone. You will start to behave like that someone. And God comes to Israel and he says, if you say you follow me, you'll start to look like me, you'll start to behave like me, but that's not what's happening in this case. It's interesting, this past week I was looking at some of this research around this idea. Do we actually become our parents? And for some of us, that's a dreadful thought for some of us. But for some of us, that could also be a great thing. Do we become our parents? Now, in that research, we found out that parents who wore seatbelts, for example, were more than 10 times likely to have children who wore seatbelts later on in life. We found out that parents who smoked or drank or did drugs were more, much more likely to produce children who did the same thing. But we also found out, for example, if, it was a mo- if there was a mother who worked as a nurse, she was four times more likely to produce a daughter who also became a nurse. This is kind of interesting. If you think about it also, if you, have, if you had a mother who was a lawyer, she was seven times more likely to produce a son that became a lawyer. This is pretty interesting when you think about it because there's no other factor that leads into this except that the child wants to emulate the parent, that we become the one that we follow. And God says to the people of Israel, if you truly want to worship me, then you would do the things that I care about. And that is offering justice to those who have no justice, seeking peace and righteousness where there is no righteousness and there is no peace. If you look at the news around us today, you are seeing this everywhere. Just think about the things going on in Hollywood and politics right now. Scandal after scandal, all based on this idea of injustice. That I have power and I will abuse my power by oppressing or taking advantage of someone else. That message is one that's been going on since the beginning of time. I will take what I have and use it to to oppress or to hold down someone else or to mistreat someone else. But God calls us to something so different that when we have power, when we have authority, and the truth is all of us have some power, some authority, some accumulation of something that we can use to bless someone else, but we often use it rather to benefit ourselves sometimes at the expense of someone else. Here's that question again. Why does God expect us to pour out justice and righteousness on others when we have enough to worry about ourselves? You see, the reason is because what comes out of us is a reflection of not only what is inside, but who is inside of us. If we call ourselves followers of Christ, there is going to be an absolute need for us to go and seek out opportunities to love other people and to show them justice and mercy and kindness and to, and to let them understand that there is a God that loves them through those actions. There are two quick things that I want us to understand about this big concept, this big concept of justice and the way God looks at it. Remember he says like this in Amos chapter 5 verse 24, let justice flow like mighty waters, let righteousness flow like an ever-flowing stream. There's something so peculiar about that imagery, it's water, it's rushing out of us, it doesn't just trickle out of us, it's pouring out of us to help the people around us and that's what we are called to do every day. If you've been with us at Mount Hope for any amount of time, you know we are a church obsessed with this idea and we're proud of it. We're okay with that that we want to bless our neighbors. We want to bless our communities. We want to be someone that the world runs to in time of need. We want to be that resource to the world around us. This is why we care about refugees around the world. This is why we care about young children stricken with HIV and AIDS and and worried about the effects of that. This is why we care about feeding our neighbors. This is why we care about clothing and taking care of those without, because justice matters to God. And if it matters to God, then it matters to us. And in the book of Amos, Amos walked into a community where people professed with their mouths that they loved God, but their actions were so, so far from him. And so, the first of the two points that I want to make quickly worship that God desires leads to justice. Worship that God desires leads to justice. The Bible calls us witnesses, it calls us represent God. Our worship, what we do here, will lead to something different when we go out of here. Think about how Jesus talked about worship. There's so much to, to talk about here, but I want to do this quickly. When Jesus talked about worship, he would say it like this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, he would say, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Jesus was simply saying that our worship is deeply connected to how we relate to other people. In another passage of scripture, Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, the mint, the dill, and the cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. It's why we go and pursue these matters in the world around us, why we care about victims of human trafficking, why we worry about our neighbor who might be struggling to make ends meet. This is why we do those things. Because justice matters to God, it should matter to us. Justice and worship are interconnected and go hand in hand. The worship that God desires leads to justice. But that's not all. You see, for us in our society today, we often assume that justice and worship are disconnected. So many in our world today are pursuing justice. They're trying to do good things for other people. But God reminds us something else in the book of Amos and throughout Scripture, that it's not enough that our worship should lead to justice, but our justice should lead to worship. There has to be a connection between the good we do and the God that compels us to do it. The good we do and the God that drives it have to be connected to each other. Because here's the thing, if we go out and do good things for other people, those things are temporary. No matter how many houses we build and how many people we feed, those are temporary unless they point back to a God of eternity and brings the people back to that message. This is why the justice that we pursue must lead back to worship. Unfortunately, today, so many of us, many in the church, too, have started to assume that the two are separate, that I can just go do a bunch of good things, earn my way into heaven, and that's all I need to do. When the Bible tells us a completely different story. Let's imagine for a minute today when when Pastor Brian and the young men were in the baptismal tank, the the cauldron in front of us right now, Let's imagine for a minute that Pastor Brian stepped out of the cauldron and he slipped on these stairs. Not that it would happen or anything, but let's just imagine. He slipped on the stairs, cut himself deeply, and there is all kinds of a mess going on right around here. If I ran to the back area and I saw a first aid kit and I grabbed that first aid kit thinking, let me go and help him fill or or, or seal up that deep wound, that deep cut that he has. I wouldn't do it, by the way. Someone else would have to do it. But I (laughs) I I would run. I would grab the first aid kit. But let's just say as I was running back around, I saw, I remember Pastor Brian saying that I'm getting a little lightheaded from losing blood. And I ran around and I saw some cupcakes on the table there. And I dropped the first aid kit, grabbed a cupcake, and came running back out here and said, here, this will help you. (laughs) All of us would sit here and go, why is this guy on stage, first of all, is what you'd say. Why is this guy doing this? But you would also say, look, you are addressing a symptom of his problem. You're not addressing the actual problem. You had a first aid kit in your hand, but instead all you brought out was the cupcake. It does not work because you're just addressing one small symptom of a larger problem. And here's what we've done with justice in our society today. We've addressed things like human trafficking to some extent. We've addressed things like building houses for those who need it or feeding the poor and clothing those who need it. We've addressed some of those things. But those are just symptoms of a much larger problem, that if those people are not brought back to the truth of a God who loves them, then we've disconnected justice and worship, and we've just done good things for the sake of good things. Those are temporary. Those will pass, but if we connect the justice back to a just and righteous God, then they have a secured eternity. They have a salvation for life. They have an unending joy in their life. And this is why we are called to connect justice and worship together. They need to come together. Today the notion of justice in our society is often just a political argument, but for those of us out day to day, and I'm so blessed and thankful that we are a church that believes in that. But this week as we go from here, may we find opportunities to go and execute the justice of God on this earth, to give in situations where we may not have a lot, but we can go and give in those situations. Can we Give of our time in places where we can give of our time. Can we go and love a neighbor? Can we go and help a friend? Can we go and ask someone, are you okay? Do you need anything for this week? If we do those things, God loves that kind of worship, but in the end, all of that needs to be driven back to God and not us and our good works. We cannot separate justice and worship. They must go together. John Piper is a pastor who, who talks about this subject a lot and the way he talks about it is very interesting because to him, justice is often very different from the way we talk about it in society today. Let me read a quote from John Piper. It says like this, Justice will not be because Christian right-wingers push through a prayer amendment or because Christian left-wingers push through bigger government subsidies for housing and health and jobs. Justice will happen because the salt of the earth and the light of the world, that's you and me, have exerted such a profound spiritual effect on the heart and soul of the nation that men and women feel pangs of conscience when contracts are broken and refugees are gouged and prices are in And workmanship is shabby, and babies are intentionally aborted. Constraining civil laws are necessary in a fallen world. But if violations of love are not treated at the spiritual spring, then the river of evil that flows out of man's heart will break through every legal dam and sweep the world away with injustice. One group on earth has this potential to change the earth because of their mission, and this group is the Church of Jesus Christ. This is what we're called to do. I believe that maybe there are places where laws can help change things. There are places where rallying and protesting can help change things. But when you and I live out our mission day to day, that's what really changes things. When you and I are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, when you and I go into the world around us every day and we live out the mission of God to worship him and enact justice at the same time, that's when lives start to change. That's when people come to not only get houses and clothes and food, but they get to know the living, loving God of eternity who loves them and desires desires a relationship with them. The two must come together. There must be justice. There must be worship. It was an old song that went like this. They will know we are Christians by our love. It's not by our buildings. It's not by our facilities. It's not by our good works. It's not by our rituals or our traditions. They will know we are Christians by our love. And that's what we are called to pour out on this world every single day. I'm gonna ask our worship team to come forward as we prepare to close our service for today. For some of you sitting here today, this may be somewhat of an odd message. Don't I do enough good things already? Do I actually have to connect them back to God? Maybe the question is on your heart, why does God expect me to go and do something good for someone else when I have enough to worry about on my own? Because God firmly believed in the lives of the people of Israel that if they were to actually represent God, they would live a life that God called them to live and that would draw more people into the kingdom of God. That would draw more people to this loving message and together we can go make a difference in the world around us. For some of, all, some of you sitting here today, this might not make sense in another way. Why does God care about justice? Why does he care about righteousness and right living? Why does this stuff matter to him? You see, the entire story of every Christian, every follower of Christ here is actually based on justice and righteousness. All of our stories are based on that. Because the Bible reminds us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That there was no good work that you or I could ever do to earn our salvation. We were condemned to death because of the wages of sin being death, that we were resigned to, a, to an eternity of death and damnation. Justice should have been carried out on you and me. But instead of God exacting justice on you and I, He decided to send His righteous Son in our place, and they went to the cross. And he was nailed to a cross and he took upon himself the punishment, the penalty that you and I deserved. And on that day, justice and righteousness met together on a cross on a hill called Calvary. And it changed all of our lives forevermore. And because of that truth, because Jesus loved us enough to die for our sins and to rise again and to reign for us, for that reason, you and I are now called to go and love the world around us to go bring justice and righteousness to a world that needs it. So when a person's got a broken heart, it is the follower of Christ that steps in and says, let me point you to one who can heal all of your wounds. When someone is struggling without a home or without something that they need, we're the ones who step in and provide them a home, a place to stay, food for their table. We provide for them and then we point them back to a Lord who loves them. Where justice and righteousness met on the day on Calvary is the day that changed my life forever. It's the day that changed your life forever. It's the day that changed this world forever. This morning, if there's something that we can be praying for you about, if there's something in your life that you would like to to pray about, whether it's something in a need, a physical or tangible need, or it's simply that you want to know Jesus better, that you want to have a relationship with him, we're available for prayer today. Pastor Brian and Lori are available. They'll they'll be in the back ready to pray with you if you'd like. We encourage you to do that. If there's anything that we can be praying for you about, we'd love to do that. Let's take a minute to bow our heads in prayer. And as we do, let's keep this in mind. What comes out of us is a reflection of what's really inside. If worship comes out of us, then we need to make sure it's tied back to justice. If justice comes out of us, it must be tied back to the worship of the one God who is just and righteous. Lord, we come before you this morning giving you thanks for what you've done, Lord God. Because of the day when righteousness and justice met on the cross, we have an opportunity to go and deliver justice and righteousness to the world around us. God, I ask for your forgiveness for all the ways we ignore those around us, those who need our help. When we assume that our lives are so busy and our lives are so important that we cannot look out for our brother or sister around us, God, I pray your forgiveness for those moments. And I ask that as we go from here, we would be compelled and motivated to go and live lives that pursue justice and righteousness all around us. That we would go and see people the way you see them, Lord God, bought with your precious blood, sanctified and redeemed and set free. God, help us to deliver that message to the world around us. God, I pray for every one of my friends who are sitting here this morning who may struggle with that question about you, that question about truth and about what you've actually meant in these verses. Help us to never be fooled into thinking that our good works are enough to inherit eternal life. But only through you and faith in your son Jesus can we ever do that. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you worship. God, help us to bring justice. Help us to bring worship. Help us to bring them together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont campus. At Mount Hope, we gather each week to learn more about God, grow in our love of God and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts area, we'd love to have you join us. We meet Sunday mornings in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and Sunday mornings in Belmont at 10 a.m find out more about us at our website, www.mounthope.org. Now as you go, may you fall more in love with God so that you might live a life that brings Him glory.